Hey friends, welcome back to Cultivate Discussion. Uh, before we roll the intro, I just wanted to jump on here and just quickly say thank you so much for the excitement, the thrill that you guys had towards the previous episode, The Confused Christian Volume 2. Guys, what an exciting thing it was for me to see just how genuinely interested you guys are in to how to witness to these Jehovah Witnesses. It is such a, a bizarre, random thing for Christians to dive into the question, how do we engage with the cults? I know it's weird. I get it. But it was so cool to see how many of you guys were actually generally interested. So thank you so much for that. Guys, jumping into this episode, I'm excited because we're going to be hitting the mashed potatoes. We're going to be hitting the turkey, the roast, the in, in simple form, we're going to be hitting the passages that the Jehovah Witnesses dive into to try to stump you. Um, so, so please journey with me on this one. Uh, I'm excited for it. If you guys would love to support this, this podcast, the we- best way to do so is by sharing it on your social media. And, and, and by doing that, the hope is, is that we get to reach more people of the gospel and we get to encourage more saints to do the work of ministry. So friends, I'll be praying for you that the Holy Spirit continues to work in your life, convict you, edify your, 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 your heart, your soul. Uh, to do the work of an evangelist. So guys, I'll talk to you soon. God bless. Witnesses believe that Jesus Christ is a spirit creature, a super angel, the first creation of Jehovah God, who prior to coming to earth as a man, existed in heaven as Michael the Archangel. Jesus started out originally as the Logos. Or Michael the Archangel. Who then came to earth as the virgin-born son of Mary. He was a perfect, sinless man. But he was only a man, devoid of all divinity. Jesus walked the earth as a man, becoming the Christ only when he was baptized. Jehovah's Witnesses hold the cross in contempt, feeling that it is nothing more than a pagan symbol used by apostate Christendom. Instead, they teach that at the completion of his ministry, Jesus died, not on the cross, but on an upright stake. Christ's body was then laid in a tomb where it was disintegrated by God, totally destroyed forever. Jesus was then recreated by the Father. Before going to heaven, he materialized in different bodies on different occasions to convince his disciples and others that he had really been resurrected. Jesus returned to his Father in heaven once again he became michael the archangel welcome everybody back to cultivate discussion my name is blade i am the host of this podcast well friends we've done it we have made the milestone of four episodes discussing all things cults discussing all things the bible 
is an exciting time for me, man. I mean, four episodes. I honestly didn't know I was going to make it this far. <laughs> um, but on a serious note, I'm excited for this one, uh, friends, like I am for all of them. But I've been really looking forward to, you know, eventually heading to, heading to a point where I could actually dive into more of the Bible um, and the passages that they often, as Jehovah Witnesses, bring us Christians to to confuse us, to confuse the Christian, to kind of divorce ourselves from biblical Christianity, a, a, a Christianity that is based off of the Bible uh, and the text of Scripture, and using that as ultimately our defense against the cults and the ones that have deviated from the truth. So I, you know, I'm I'm excited for this one because. I don't want to give too much um, preface about what they believe and all that and kind of the external stuff, which is really important. And that's kind of what I wanted to hit last episode. But I really ultimately, if I'll be completely honest with you, I really want to just dive into the passages that, um, you know, I, for me, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe it's because whenever I've talked to 12 witnesses and they've shared with me some of these passages and I've gotten confused, it's kind of left me with kind of a bitter taste now, you know, like, like how I felt after that was like, dang it. Like, I, I don't even know what this passage is meaning. And so I guess the the fire that I feel at with this is that I, I really want to encourage more Christians not to feel how I felt in those moments. Um, so that's why I, I often say to you guys, like, I want you guys to be more confident in your faith. Because I don't really want people to be how I was when I would have conversations with these Jehovah Witnesses. I mean, I was just, there's so many times they brought me to the Bible passages that I'm like, I didn't even know that was in there. And even if I read it or did a sermon study on it prior, I'm not always thinking about like, what are the Jehovah Witnesses thinking about this? How are they going to rip this out of its context and its biblically intended purpose? Um... So when they would bring me these passages, man, goodness, it just, it left me with so much shame when I, when I didn't have a, 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 a well thought out response. Do you know what I mean? So, so that's my hope that my hope is bringing these things into light. Um, because sometimes these passages aren't just talked about enough with Christians and I think they should be, you know what I mean? I think, I think as friends, we, we got to talk more about this kind of stuff. So hopefully this podcast can be that kind of, I mean, middle ground for you to do so if you're on the way to work or on your way to school or at the gym, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't know why people listen to podcasts at gyms, especially this one. If you are that one soul at the gym right now listening to me, I just want to say you're fantastic. I I would just be completely lost if I was at the gym right now, um, making my muscles look much larger and listening to um, <laughs> podcast about cults. But hey, bless you. You know what I mean? That's that's wonderful. I don't want to put shame on that. So yeah, guys, um, I just want to jump right into it because we do have a few passages that I would love to hit. Now, before we hit that, there are a few things that as we approach talking to these Jehovah Witnesses and how we witness to the Jehovah Witness, <laughs> there are a few things I kind of want to just make sure um, is spoken of before before we hit those those texts. And, and one of which, and, and we haven't tackled this yet, is that they have a different Bible, guys. And some of you may not even know that. They have a different Bible, I should say a different translation of the Bible called the New World Translation. It's, it's in short, a false translation of the Greek and Hebrew scriptures. It was published in the 1950s and immediately um, very pronounced Greek biblical scholars 
uh, took issues with it. Uh, I think one of the most notable uh, um, scholars is a man named Dr. J.R. Manti. Uh, phenomenal Greek scholar. Uh, many actually regard him to be the greatest Greek biblical scholar in the realm of grammar um, and the Greek construction of a sentence in the 20th century. So he was a very renowned Greek scholar, and he took much issue with the Jehovah's Witnesses' publication of this Bible. I mean, they they twisted it. They they made it. Um, they made the translation very different in some passages to fit their own system of thought. Um, you know, respected Greek scholars always seek after accuracy, and the Watchtower just completely bypassed that and changed some of these texts to fit their theology, which is um, which is very wrong. Another um, pro, uh, scholar, not necessarily a Greek scholar, but he knew biblical Greek, was a man named Dr. Walter Martin. He was a professor. In all things cults and apologetics. In the 1950s, I find this profound. He contacted the Watchtower, uh, all about the New World Translation, and and pretty much told them, listen, I, I, I see no means for these passages that are very uh, profound and concrete in the Christian faith to be changed and to be marked as different. I mean, they changed some very radical things, guys, about um, who Jesus was um, and who he was shown to be in the New Testament. I mean, I'll give you one example. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They changed that to, and the Word was a God, little g. I mean, that's that's profound. So Dr. Walter Martin took, took note of this and contacted them via the letter. So that kind of tells you how long ago this was. And they replied by saying, oh, check check the appendix. You'll get all your answers there. He did. No answer. He then contacted them again and asked them uh, for the Greek scholars. He wanted to to meet one of the Greek scholars that uh, that changed this translation, that that actually constructed the translation. And they replied to him, according to Doctor Walter Martin, and said that they don't give out the names or identity of their Greek scholars for the sake of humility. I mean, okay, I mean that's sure for humility, but like when. Anyways, I digress. The point is, I think it's pretty evident that the New World Translation was not translated by respected, you know, all-around Greek scholars that knew the biblical ancient language as so many of these other men in the field did, and and they took issue with it. Uh, I actually want to quickly read to you a a dialogue that uh, Dr. Walter Martin has with J.R. Manti the Greek scholar. This was off of just uh, an interview that he gave, and and I'll read it here. So Dr. Walter Merton says this. In John 1.1, the New World Translation says that the word was a God, referring to Jesus Christ. How would you respond to that? He speaks to Dr. Dr. Manti. Dr. Manti responds by saying, the Jehovah Witnesses have forgotten entirely what the order at the sentence indicates. That the Logos has the same substance, nature, or essence as the Father. To indicate that Jesus was just a God, the Jehovah Witnesses would have to use a completely different construction in the Greek. Dr. Martin, you once had a little difference of opinion with the Watchtower about this, and you wrote them a letter. What was their response to your letter? Dr. Manti, well... As a backdrop, I was disturbed because they had misquoted me in support of their translation. 
I call to their attention the fact that in the whole body of the New Testament was against their view. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus is glorified and magnified, yet here they were denigrating him and making him into a little God, a pagan concept. Dr. Martin, what was the response to what you said? Dr. Manti, they said I could have my own opinion and they would retain theirs. What I wrote didn't really phase them a bit. Yeah, guys, th this is this is a, a conversation, like I said, between Dr. Walter Martin and, and Dr. Manti, two brilliant men uh, in the field of theology and, and, and apologetics. And that's kind of the, the language that the Watchtower used even in the 1950s when these these uh, men of the faith, these these men that wanted to be accurate in the translation of the Bible from ancient Greek to the English language, um, that was their 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 pushback. Uh, the Watchtower was not aim and game to engage in any sort of conversation. They they knew, friends, what they were doing. They knew that they were dis destructive. Uh, they they were creating a destructive translation of the Bible to fit their own system of thought, their own system of theology um, that is counter opposite to what the what God's word has breathed uh, for centuries. So that is the background. That is is, is, is some things you got to know about the, the New World Translation because often they'll bring that into a uh, a witness into a, a conversation they may have with you. And, and you may bring them a passage that you think so clearly de details that Jesus is Yahweh, um, the second person in the Holy Trinity. And yet in their Bible, they may have completely changed it. That the construction of it is different. So just keep that in mind. They do use, I should probably say this, they do use the KJV version. Um, but but if, if they can, they, they often stick with their new world translation so moving forward uh, it's it's important to remember that their bible is different not in all places some places some passages honestly are still left in there so those are the ones that i often encourage people to, to tackle um, which we, we can definitely get into but it's also important to recognize uh that the jehovah witness is going to try to bring you into a rule of pool of conversation about everything in the blue moon except really the the, the important stuff um i can't tell you time, how many times guys i've i've discussed things with Joel witnesses and they, they've talked to me for minutes upon minutes about the kingdom uh and don't even ask me what they even mean by that it, it is so confusing um i mean you have to remember this is a this is an apocalyptic cult so everything to them has to do with the end times everything 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 it's it's so armageddon is coming michael's coming he's gonna judge us it's 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 difficult to navigate so my encouragement is ignore all that start with them the real reason that you're wanting to talk with them which is the issue of christology yes that is a big word but christology just means the person and work of jesus christ Yes, they have many other theological pitfalls, but what deems a man saved or not, they saved or not, has to do with who they believe the Son of God is. Now, I, you know, I, I think it may go out without saying, but they believe the Word of God is infallible. They, they, they believe it, it breathes truth, so use it. Use it, friends. I mean, we can only come up with so much 
outsider examples um, to try to explain your faith, but stop, stop divorcing yourself from the sword that the Lord has given you and I, which is the word of God, to strike the truth in the heart of the sinner. Now, finally, um, in, in this little brief part of what you should preface before talking to them, um, I would really encourage to establish that you believe in the humanity of Jesus, that the word was incarnate, meaning made flesh, and explain to them that you see major contradictions in the Watchtower Christology, right? The nature and work of Jesus. And that you hope that the minister, them, the witness, could explain that. Um, that I have found to be the most effective way of opening a conversation because often the Jehovah's Witnesses have a view of Christians that we emphasize the deity of Christ, the fact that he was God made flesh, um, and ignore the fact that he was a human. He was totally human. He was a man. So establish that, remind them of that. And to leave them with that, that, uh, that I guess, phrase of just, can you explain things? Because often that kind of lets them be in a position of, of, of wanting to teach us something, um, which, I mean, makes them feel good. Um, so that's, that's always good. Start the conversation well. So with all that said, guys, let's get into the passages. Let's get into the word of God that... Um, I mean, my goodness, this, this is, this is the meat and potatoes. This is the stuff that we really want to, um, journey in with each other, um, as the host of this podcast, but also as a listener, as a, as a brother in the faith, a sister in the faith, this is the stuff you can, you can know as much as you want about the cults, but all that will fall short. All of it. You got to know the word, you know, the scripture, you, you put your heart in the scripture your passion, your root in the scripture. And you'll see, brothers and sisters, fruit in speaking to these, these people. I, I, I'm telling you, right? Like just, just stop ignoring or ignore all the things that, that you think are outside our knowledge. Find the internal reality of the word of God as being the fundamental, vital, important essence of who me and you are as Christians, as witnesses. So the, the first passage, they often, I mean, my goodness, they, they always bring you to this passage, and it's my favorite one to bring them to, is Colossians 1, uh, verse 15 to 20, okay? So Colossians 1, 15 to 20, um, they, they love this passage. Now, they will not read the whole thing, and this is, this is a consistent theme with a lot of the passages that they'll bring into. They'll bring you there, and then they'll shut the, the book or they'll, they'll take you something else. They, they will not want to give context. Okay. So this is what they'll do. I'll, I'll eventually read the whole thing, 15 to 20, but this is what they'll do. They'll literally say, okay, so we believe that uh, Jesus is the first and greatest creation of Jehovah God. Now I want to show you where the passage is right now. Okay. I'm going to show you where in the passage where it says that Jesus is the, is the firstborn. He's, he's, he was created by God. Okay. Colossians 1 verse 15 says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And that's what they'll do. They'll bring you to that passage and they'll, they'll, they'll just shut the book there and say, now, how do you explain that as a Christian, as, as one that believes that Jesus is God? How do you explain that very passage? 
And I mean, that is a great question. It's a fantastic question. In fact, this is actually the passage they brought me to, I don't know, maybe a year or two years ago, whatever it was, that I just, I don't know what to say, man. I, I was like, flip. The firstborn of all creation. What the heck does this mean? And this is this is the problem, okay? The Jehovah Witnesses, they have a, a certain way of interpreting things. And I've narrowed it down, I've narrowed it down to these two ways we interpret things. I, I, it's called letterism and contextualism. Okay? Letterism is the interpretation of allowing the English variant to the word in the Bible to get in the way of properly understanding the biblical text, knowing that it was written in an ancient Greek language. Contextualism is the interpretation of the ancient language within the text to best understand the biblical intended context. Therefore, asking the questions such as who is the writer and what is the language he's writing in? What does it say slash mean in the Greek? How does that affect our interpretation of that passage? I have found my good friends out there listening to this that the Jehovah Witnesses often fall into the bracket of letteralism or letterism, which is allowing your own feeble understanding of a certain word get in the way of actually understanding the biblically intended context of that passage. So in this Colossians 1, they see the word, the firstborn of all creation, and they allow that to get in the way of what is actually trying to, to mean and say. Because their first thought is firstborn. Well, what is a firstborn in the English language? When I say firstborn, it often means like a firstborn child, a firstborn child, especially if it's contact connected with, with creation. You know, he was firstborn created. It just makes sense, doesn't it? Well, what does it say in the Greek? What does the Greek say about the word firstborn? Because I think we got to talk about it, right? In other words, they, they will establish a Western idea on what the word actually means while ignoring the, the Greek completely. If the passage is actually saying Jesus is the firstborn of, of Jehovah God, then they would have a solid point. But the problem is that's not even close to what it means. In fact, it doesn't even make sense if you read the entire passage. That's my whole point. They, they just they narrow it down, friends. So firstborn in the Greek, and disclaimer, <laughs> Guys, I'm not a teacher here. I'm I'm not I'm not a professor. Uh, these are things that that me, you, we journey together in um, as just being born again Christians. I mean, these are things that I mean. Just get yourself an interlinear Greek study Bible. You see this there. Um, there's an ama amazing app called um, I think it's called the Bible Step Bible or Step Bible or something like that. That literally you could click onto a word and it gives you what the word is in Greek. I mean, there are ways for us to read this and understand this. Um, so yes, I mean, I, of course I have a calling into ministry and, and, and whatnot, but that doesn't divorce the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm no teacher here. So these are the words that, that I've, or these are the things I've learned just by my own studies. So the, the Greek word for firstborn is actually the Greek word prototokos. It means preeminent or supreme. That is why this passage has in most cases been named the proclamation of the supremacy or pre preeminence of Christ. 
Preeminence, if you're not aware, means the one set apart or has supreme authority. That's what preeminent means, preeminent one. Supreme meaning highest. If we take the passage and now understand it, friends, as being and meaning preeminent, it all makes coherent sense. If you actually read the entire passage, not just that even, it makes complete sense. So for instance, let me read you all of it. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and he is in all things whole together, and he is the head of the church. The um, He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Oh, there's the word. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So this is why my encouragement to you, bring them to this passage. Bring them here, guys. Because this is not a tool for the witness, the joyful witness, to bash down on the Bible-believing Christian. This is actually one of the greatest weapons that we have against the cult that is Jehovah's Witnesses. This is, in fact, one of my favorite passages to bring them to. And it's honestly my favorite because when they want to bring you to it, bring them to it before they do. And I'm telling you, the reaction they'll have on their face is complete confusion because they honestly think that this is one of the greatest weapons against the Christian church when it is the complete opposite. The complete opposite. I mean, for example, if we take firstborn as the Jehovah Witnesses do, friends, how would they explain verse 18? Verse 18 says, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. I mean, honestly, how would they explain that? It doesn't make any actual sense. Was Jesus actually the firstborn of the dead? No. In fact, Lazarus got raised from the dead when he had an encounter with Jesus, Jesus came and raised him from the dead. So was Jesus the firstborn of the dead? Of course not. Physically, no. But what was he? He was preeminent of all the dead. See, guys, what this, what this is actually proclaiming here, and it's beautiful. What it's actually saying is that Jesus is the preeminent one over the living and the dead. Although not actually being the first literal born, you know, created, nor the actual physical resurrection even, because Lazarus rose from the dead. Jesus, because he is the image of the invisible God, says in the first, like verse 15, is therefore set apart as being above the rest in position and nature. That is, my friends, boom, boom, boom the argument against the Jehovah Witnesses when we come to this very passage. So use it. Get jacked up about this, friends. This this is the Word of God speaking life. And I'm telling you, if more Christians picked up the Bible as they should and, and challenged themselves to actually know what is this saying, I'm telling you, the cults would have a lesser grip on our society than they do right now. Do you know what I mean? 
I mean, ignorance of, of Jesus Christ, ignorance of who he is, is ignorance of our greatest defense against the cults. Don't be among the many, guys. Be among the few right now. And I wish that that saying wasn't so. But I can only go off of my own experience when I've had time and time and time again talk to these Jehovah's Witnesses and they've used these type of just brutal arguments against my faith. And I've, I've walked away feeling a little ashamed because I didn't have a, re a response. And I've allowed that my shame, that, that, that feeling of just, oh, to catapult me into a fire, uh, a passion to know what these passages are actually saying and how to coherently communicate with them. And I'm going to say this, and I, I hope you, you hear this, friends. If, if this is one of the only things you get from it, it's not about coherency. It's about confidence. It's not about being coherent. It's about being confident. And that's what I've learned. I mean, guys, it's much easier to be by yourself and rattle off how these passages ought to be actually interpreted and understood. It's much harder when you're staring into a Jehovah's Witness's beautiful eyes. <laughs> Very different. But it's not about being beautiful in your speech. It's not about being an intellectual giant. It's about being confident, guys. I'm a, I'm a firm believer. The more confident you are in the Word of God, the more confident you are. It'll challenge adult witnesses better than any sort of intellectual train you could take them on. Uh, you know, I, let me give you one more example here for this passage. Psalms 89, 27, David is called the firstborn of all the kings of Israel. Was David the firstborn king? No, <laughs> he wasn't. Saul was the first king of Israel. But the word using here means the same thing. David was chosen by God to be set apart from the rest of the kings, having the supreme authority over all the kings on the earth at that time. That's what preeminent means, guys. You know, and I could give example after example, and and we'll we'll keep going on with this, this series. Again, this is not just one. This is just one of the passages of the many that that I want to get to. Um, so stay tuned for more episodes um, uh, coming up to to talk about more of this kind of stuff. But you know, the last thing I want to do for the sake of the listener and for the sake of the Word of God is is just brush past these 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 um, these scriptures because. I'm not a fool to think that many of you were like me when I, I completely either ignored or hadn't really read Colossians 1. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, if I asked you before even just hearing an a, a explanation of, of the Greek there, what, what does that mean, guys? He's the firstborn of all creation. I would love just to challenge you. What would you have said? And that's not a dig by any means because, friends, that, that's what got me to this position now. The, the reason I have such a desire to reach people like yourself that are willing to just listen for 30 minutes 
about how we can defend our faith with these cults is, is because of passages like this. That, in, in short, confused me and only drew me closer to God, which, I mean, if the Jehovah's Witnesses are, are listening to this, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Your questions drew me closer to my king. So just like David being called firstborn of all the kings, and he wasn't the first actual king, Jesus is not firstborn of creation. Jesus is not created. He is the creator. He is the image of the invisible God. I mean, the, the ver very verse talks about that. But again, they bypass that. They, they throw that away and they seek after an improper understanding of the text. It's just unbelievable. If you want any more evidence, friends, and I know this is, this is hard language here, but if you want any more language that this is a devilish cult, ask the Jehovah's Witness, what does Colossians say? They've undermined who Jesus is. And therefore undermined Yahweh. So guys, bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this. The next episode, I'll dive into more things all about the cults and the passages that they bring to confuse the Christian. Bless you.